you know, um, so I started this Facebook group uh, not quite a year ago. It's called Savage Dads. And um, we've got roughly like 1,300 dads in this group now from all over the world, not even just local, um, but from literally all over the world. Uh, we've got guys in the UK. We've got guys, uh, we've got a guy in Thailand. Um, <laughs> we've, got, we've got some guys from Norway. Uh, so it's really been, become like this global thing. And it's been a lot of fun. Um, over the last year, you know, I'm, I'm a dad of, of uh, an amazing almost four-year-old, which I'm not quite ready for her to be four yet. But, um, but over the last year or so, I really have uh, I've dove in. I dove into fatherhood. Not just being a dad, but understanding what um, it takes to be a savage dad. And the, I've had the question of why do we use the word savage? Um, and this is the imagery. Have you, if you've ever watched like a, a cheetah chasing a gazelle or any like predatory animal that's chasing its prey, but specifically like a cheetah or a lion, and like they're running after their prey. And if you look behind them, the dirt is just kicking up. And they're running as fast and as hard as they can. If you look at the gazelle, it's doing the same thing. And the reason is, the reason the cheetah runs so hard is because if they know if they don't catch the gazelle, they don't get to eat. And if they don't get to eat, they don't survive. And it goes back down to their, their kids too. Their kids aren't, aren't able to chase after their prey. So they have to catch it. They have to do whatever it is that they can do. That's, to me, that's what being a savage dad is. It's chasing down fatherhood as fast and as hard as you can. You know, it's true, you, you're still a dad after your kid turns 18. Once they move out of the house, you're still a dad. You don't hang up the dad gloves. You know, you're still a dad. For your whole life, you're a dad. And, but fatherhood might change a little bit, but it doesn't change the fact that you're a dad. But you do have your kids in your house, typically, you, the, the most time, the best time to influence your kids is when they're at your house before they turn 18, before they start spreading their wings and starting to fly. And some of us, we just, we kind of get, kind of get lost because we're going to be dads forever. We kind of get lost in the fact that the greatest moments to influence our kids is when they're young. We've got a very limited amount of time. And I think it's really important for us to understand as fathers, it's important for us to understand that we've got to get after it while we can get after it. And so teaching or preaching on a Sunday for um, Father's Day is actually kind of difficult. Even though I've got like, I've got all kinds of material. I mean, I, I create content for um, dad, dads and savage dads, like multiple posts a day. And like I'm constantly doing live videos and talking to dads and stuff. So it should be easy for me to talk about fatherhood. However, on a Sunday for Father's Day, I'm not just talking to a bunch of dads. And I'm not just encouraging dads how to be better fathers, but I've got a room full of people that are from a bunch of different backgrounds. And it's, I'm not ignorant to the fact that there are a lot of dads that have absolutely failed. They've absolutely failed. And some failed by default because they never stepped up to the plate. Because some dads think, I'm not, I'm not going to be very good. I'm, what good can I bring to this kid? How can, I'm, I'm a screw-up. Why should I even? It'll be better if I'm just not around. And by default, some of those dads just fail from the, from the gate, right out of the gate. They're utter failures. So I know like I'm dealing with some of that today. 
Some people just absolutely hate Father's Day or Mother's Day because mom or dad was never around. So other people are celebrating dads. Meanwhile, I'm sitting in my chair and I never knew mine. Like I, I pose questions in my Facebook group, which we now have a, we've got a website. We're taking, the goal is to take things off of Facebook for some reasons because I'd rather not have Facebook decide to like pull the power plug and then all of a sudden I don't have a, <laughs> I don't have a community anymore. But I've posed questions on Savage Dads a bunch of times about like, what's your favorite memory with your dad? Like, what are some things that you did with your dad when you were a kid around the holidays? I ask those kinds of questions, and often I get answers, something along the lines of, my dad was never around. I wish I knew my dad. I never needed him. Some people are still kind of like bitter in their hearts. Um, and say, saying, so I'm, I'm not ignorant to the fact that I know I've got a bunch of people in the room that probably hate that today is Father's Day. And they're like, crap, I'm going to have to listen to a Father's Day sermon, and this is going to be really awkward. I don't really feel like dealing with this. So I've got, does anybody ever watch the news? Anybody like watching the news? Not really like it, but you do it anyway. I feel like I, I watch the news out of obligation and responsibility as a man. I think as a man, um, I think it's my job to know what's going on in, in the world, in the country, um, in my city, so there's really, I'm kind of breaking today's sermon down into three kind of different parts. Each point will have three different parts. If you watch national news, you watch the national news because you want to know what's going on in the nation, right? So we watch national news, and that news is going to affect me the same way it's going to affect my sister who lives in California, right? So there's things that are going on in the government that, that I want to know about, that I, I need to understand. That's why I'm going to watch national news. There's going to be moments in this sermon that's going to be be for everyone, all right? That's national news. Then we watch, like, local news. Local news is going to be only for um, people who live in Hampton Roads, Virginia Beach, Norfolk, those kinds of things, right? My sister isn't going to watch national news because she lives in California. She doesn't care what's happening in 757. So some of that is, means, in this sermon, basically means, like, some of the things I'm going to say are going to be specific to a specific group. So like dads that are in the room or men that want to be dads one day, I'm going to speak specifically to you at moments. And then there's going to be mail. When I get mail, that is for me. It has my name on it, my address. I open it up and I sometimes throw it away because it's junk, but, <laughs> but sometimes it's stuff that's specifically for me. It's a birthday card. Or it's, maybe it's a bill that I need to pay, but it's my responsibility. It's just for me. Even if you live two streets over, you live across the street from me, that's not for you. That's for me. Some of the things I'm going to say today are going to be national news. It's going to be for everybody in the room. Some of, some of it's going to be local, so it's going to be for some dads. Some of it's going to be very specific to you that you're going to have to kind of figure out how to digest on your own. I'm going to start today with one of my favorite scriptures about fatherhood. Psalm 127.5, like arrows in the hands of a warrior are children born in one's youth. You know, I used to do a little bit of archery when I, I lived in California. I lived with this awesome family. And um, Brad, he was, he was like the, the man of the house. He was um, an archery instructor. So I kind of hit the jackpot. And um, he helped me get a bow. And we used to like shoot 
pretty much every day, almost every day, if not every day. But we, I'd be like stressed out. I was in school and um, didn't have a whole lot of community out in California at the time. And he would see that I'm stressing. Hey, Preston, grab your bow. Let's go. Let's go shoot. The nice thing about shooting bows and arrows is it's free. Once you have like your bow and your arrows, it doesn't cost anything to just send one. There's a bunch of different kinds of bows and a bunch of different kinds of arrows for different things. You've got training arrows, so they, they're not like sharpened with like razor blades on the end of them. They're just for targets. But then you do have other kinds of arrows that are like for hunting. And they're like razor sharp and they've got barbs on them. So when they go in, it's hard to get them out. But there's one common thing among all types of arrows, no matter what the purpose is. All arrows are meant to fly. They're meant to be put on a bow, on a bowstring. They're meant to be pulled back, and they're meant to be launched. I hear a lot of parents that talk about their kids and like, man, my kid is just so lazy. My kid doesn't want to do anything. My kid doesn't have any passion. My kid doesn't fill in the blank. And I've done youth ministry for going on 17 years, and I can tell you one thing: it's not that I used to think it was like, man, this generation is just so lazy. No, they're just teenagers. They're just teenagers. That's all. They're 14. Being lazy is kind of what they're built to do. You know why? But you know why some kids lack passion? Some kids don't seem to soar? I think it, the answer comes from Psalm 127.5, like heirs in the hands of a warrior. See, some of these kids aren't soaring. Some of these kids aren't, being, aren't launching because they're not being launched. All arrows, if you want an arrow to be launched, all arrows have to be strung, and they have to be launched. It's our obligation as dads to pick up our kids, and point them in the right direction, and to launch them. There's a kind of a key phrase that's been going around. Um, it's toxic masculinity. Yeah, me too. Some people say we have a problem, a societal problem with toxic masculinity. See, I would argue that we have a problem of absent masculinity. I think, I don't think we need less masculinity. I think we actually need more righteous masculine men that are going to be involved in their kids' lives and lead their families. You know, 85% of all Inmates in American prisons come from fatherless homes. That does, that's not because, that's, that stat doesn't show that we have a problem with ta- toxic masculinity. It shows that we have a problem with absent masculinity. Why do I put so much time and effort into savage dads? Because I think if we can change fathers, if we can inspire dads, if we can educate dads on how to lead their families, we can literally change the entire world. So whether you're a dad or you hope to be a dad one day or you're a, a woman and you hope to have kids one day, well, if you hope to have kids one day, you will, your kids will likely have a father. So if you're any of those, I, I've got three things I believe all young men, sometimes old men, need to do in order to be excellent fathers. Three things. First things that, thing that you need to do if you want to be an excellent father is you need to grow up. And I promise I'm not going to be like, I think we have an issue sometimes with 
Mother's Day going into Father's Day. Like on Mother's Day, like Mother's Day Sunday, we come in, moms come in, we give them like flowers. We tell moms how great they are. Moms are great. We build them up and we send them home feeling really good about themselves. And then typically what we do with Father's Day is we're like, okay, dads, come to church. We're just going to beat you up for about an hour and then make, make you go home just feeling like trash. I promise I'm not going to beat you up for an hour and make you feel like trash because you're not trash. But I am a coach. I've been coaching for about 12 years-ish doing a bunch of different sports. And I don't know that I could ever um, coach like a female team. And the reason is, is because when I coach, I feel like I need to, like, I need to be able to tell my athlete exactly what they need to know. Especially like on the middle school level when I don't have a lot of time during practice. I've learned that it doesn't do my kids any good, especially like when I'm coaching wrestling. It does, it does my students no good if I tell them they're doing good if they're not. Especially in wrestling, because in wrestling, they are going to find out if they're not doing good, if not from me, by their opponent on the other side of the mat. If I tell them, hey, listen, you're doing great, you use that takedown, it's going to work every time, but it's actually just a, a lackluster takedown. When they go to the mat and the first bell rings, the whistle blows, they're going to get put on their back and they're going to wonder. Hey, coach, why have you been lying to me all this time? So that's kind of how I'm going to teach today. There's going to be some things, like I said, it's going to kind of touch everybody. Some things are going to kind of hit men. But I think men ought to be more like thermoses than like champagne flutes. I think men, for the most part, we ought to be able to tell each other, hey, listen, this is what we ought to do. So let's all, especially men, let's decide that we're going to be... We're going to be thermoses today. We're going to be able to take little bumps, all right? Anybody ever been to a construction site? You don't bring a champagne flute to a construction site because if you do, it breaks. So we're going to kind of do that today. We're going to build together a little bit. The first thing that we got to do is we got to grow up. You need to grow up. 1 Corinthians 13, 11. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. You know, growing happens pretty much naturally. My daughter's going to turn four in a couple months, and she has grown pretty much naturally. As long as you feed them, they grow. <laughs> it doesn't take much more effort. You feed them, and they grow. But if, in order to get her to grow up, she needs some assistance. Growing up has to happen on purpose. Looking at this scripture, when I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. I want to look specifically at childish speech first. Childish speech. A child normally has a limited but developing vocabulary with which he or she communicates. But you can spot a child's speech by these three factors, these, these three things. First, the focus of their speech. Focus is what motivates them to talk. Childish speech is motivated by themselves. They talk about what they do, what they want, what they did, how they feel, what movie they watched. It's funny as kids are, are like the most selfish beings on the planet. 
It happens very naturally. All they care about is themselves. Even like from when they're an infant. But that's their job. They're supposed to be selfish. When they're an infant, all they can do is cry. All the, when they cry, what does the cry normally mean? They're tired. They're hungry. They need a diaper. Right? That's all they know. I need this. I need this. I want this. When my daughter was getting older, some, some of the biggest struggles with my daughter is when she was younger was she couldn't move. She was ready to move the moment her feet could hit the floor. And she would want something, but she couldn't get her body to do it. She's like, I want this so bad. She just wanted to move, but she couldn't move. See, kids are incredibly selfish. Now, when you grow into adulthood or manhood, especially to fathers, the focus of what we talk about can't be us anymore. As a father, our speech shouldn't reflect us, but our, our speech should be reflecting our kids, their interests, their needs, their wants. Second thing is the content of their speech, what they're talking about. My daughter has this really great imagination. Sometimes I'm just absolutely lost on what she's talking about because she's like talking about like these imaginary friends that I've never met and can't see. So I don't know if I'm supposed to be like sleeping with one eye open, but she's like, she'll just go off on all these different people. The content of their speech, what are they talking about? Kids talk about themselves. And kids talk about themselves. Well, has your kid ever talked to you about something that, that you couldn't see, that you couldn't imagine? Well, it's because it's in their brain. Third thing is the quality of their speech. Quality is what is it worth? To know one of the ways, uh, you know one of the ways to know that a kid is developing or not is through their speech. Kids grunt, then they baby babble, then they have words, then they have some simple sentences, then their simple sentences turn into complex sentences. And if you decide to continue to grow your speech, eventually you get to talk and have provoke, uh, you get to talk and provoke thoughts and change lives. See, growing your speech is less about big words and it's more about the impact of your words. 1 Corinthians 3.1, brothers and sisters, I could not address you as people who live in the spirit, but as people who are still worldly, merely infants in Christ. And I want to move on to the second uh, the second verse in just a second, but I want to give this a little bit of context. What's interesting about the book of Corinthians, and especially specifically here, is Paul visited Corinth roughly um, in 50 AD. But he wrote the, the book of Corinthians 2, which is a letter to the Corinthian church, about five years later. So what we find is Paul went he preached about Jesus. He shared about Jesus. Then he leaves. Five years later, he writes this letter and says, hey, I already told you guys about Jesus. You guys already know who he is. You said you were going to be the church of Corinth. But I still can't call you anything but babies. Corinthians, moving on to the second verse, Corinthians 3, verse 2, I gave you milk, not solid food, for you are not ready you are not yet ready for it. Indeed, you're still not ready. He's saying, I wanted to give you more than milk. 
I wanted to get, give you something that you could chew on, but you can't even digest milk properly yet. You've had five years. What does this mean? What he's, what he's really saying is, in five years, you should be able to move from infancy to maturity in your spiritual walk. There's a couple of things that really distinguish people from being infants and adults. One is a desire to have a responsibility. And the word responsibility broken up into two parts really means the ability to respond. If you are an adult, then you have the ability to respond to situations. A second distinguishing mark is senses that are developed. Do you know why kids, why babies have to drink milk and not eat food? Because their stomach is not developed. They can't handle it. That's why you have milk and you have stage one food. You got stage two food because you can't even go from milk to stage three. You got to get them to develop their stomach. See, some of us have to ask ourselves, why is it that I've been a Christian my entire life, but I'm still on milk? You know, the, the shortest distance between two points is a straight line. And I believe the shortest distance between infancy and maturity is the way that we speak. If we want to grow, if we want to grow our speech, we have to change our focus, we have to change our content, and we have to change our quality. So what should we be talking about then? Ephesians 4, 29. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as good for building up as it fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. So how does it apply to fatherhood? I highlighted two words, good, or sorry, three words, good and building up. But only such as is good for building up. That's the main theme here. What is building up? What does that mean? It means encouragement. You know, one of the key themes in fatherhood is influence. It's not just teaching kids how to throw balls. It's influence. And encouragement is the most valuable currency by which we get to buy influence. You want to influence your kids? My kids never listen to me. Well, how often do you encourage them? You want your kids to listen to you? Stop just telling them what to do all the time. Consider building them up. Consider encouraging them. This is where so many parents get lost. We want to correct our kids without connecting with our kids. If we want to influence our kids, we've got to connect with our kids. There's three things that I believe every parent, specifically fathers, need to over-communicate to their kids. Three things. And I use the word over-communicate because I think if anything needs to be communicated or anything ought to be communicated, it also ought to be over-communicated. Three things that we ought to over-communicate to our kids. One, they belong. How can I communicate to my kid that they belong? The way you do that is you figure out what they're into and you be into that too. Now, I'll tell you a couple things I hate. One, I hate soccer. As a sport, I hate it. I played one season of soccer when I was a kid. I'm sorry if there are soccer players in here. I just don't like it. I played one season as a kid. 
I got in trouble for kicking the kids instead of the ball. <laughs> it's a true story. I just figured it was easier to get the ball if the kids were laying on the ground. So I'd kick them in the, I'd kick them right at the ankle while they were running. Fall down, I'd get the ball. I was confused why the ref kept blowing the whistle and telling me I was doing something wrong. My dad told me to get the ball. That was the easiest way to do it. I'll tell you what, though, if I have a kid who decides that they're into soccer, guess what I'm going to be into? Soccer. Guess what I'm going to get really good at? Soccer. You know how? YouTube and Google. If your kids, I'm going to get real practical. If your kids are into something that you're not into, not being into it is not an excuse. Not playing, I never played soccer when I grew up. It's not a good excuse. You know why? Because excuses are out the window. We've got YouTube and Google that can teach you literally anything you want to learn. Especially if you've got young kids. If you've got young kids, you've got a six-year-old that wants to play soccer. Guess what? I could play soccer with six-year-olds right now and be better at all, than all of them. You know why? Because they're six. The reason you don't do the things that you ought to do with your kids isn't because you don't know how. It's because you don't want to. And the faster that we just go ahead and we go ahead and understand that truth, the faster we can get past it. We got to over communicate that they belong. We have to over communicate that they're chosen. This is where parents of adopted kids might have a head start on us. Because if you've adopted a kid, then you can literally say, hey, you know what? I chose you. There were a bunch of kids that I could have chosen, and I chose you. So some of us who have, who have kids who are biological kids, we might be a little bit behind on this one. How can, I, how can I over-communicate that my kids are chosen if I had them biologically? Well, you just say it out loud. Sometimes we make things a little more complicated than they have to be. We just say it out loud. You say this, if I could have chosen you out of a whole lot of kids, I would have. Somehow I just got lucky. That's your script. That's your line. You want your kid to know that they're chosen, even if they're biological? That's what you do. You tell them. And then you tell them again. And then you tell them some more. Third thing that we have to over-communicate is that they're special. That they mean something to to, to you. How do you communicate that they're special? I'll tell you. Random texts. Especially for, for parents of kids who have phones. Text them randomly throughout the week. Another good one is get a stack of post-it notes and write something encouraging. Write something, hey, I love you, just a quick note to say I love you. Daddy loves you. Daddy's thinking of you. And post them in their room in random places. Put them in their drawers. It'll do two things. It'll, one, it'll let them know that, you're, that you care about them, that you think about them randomly. And two, it'll also let them know that you go through their room. They shouldn't be hiding stuff in there. That was a pro tip. The most important thing we can do as believers, this is for everyone. The most important thing we can do as believers is add value to people's lives. Every morning when you get up, when you get up and you pray, good God, it's morning. I mean, (laughs) good morning, God. 
you say your morning prayers, one of the things that we all ought to add to our prayers in the morning is, okay, God, who should I add value to today? And how should I add value to them? That's the whole, that whole teaching in, in Matthew where Jesus says to feed the hungry, give water to the thirsty, befriend to, the, to strangers. That's that whole teaching. Basically what he's saying is just add value to somebody's life. And as a dad, as a parent, our job every day, our obligation is to add value to our kids' lives. What can I do for them today? Second point is you need to discover purpose. I believe one of the most dangerous ideologies today is that we ought to be chasing happiness. You hear things like, do what makes you happy. If it makes you happy, do it. But chasing happiness might sound good, but if happiness is the goal, you're setting yourself up to fail. For the sake of happiness, people pursue toxic relationships and destroy their dreams. Because he made me happy. For the sake of happiness, you'll end up with a drug addiction. For the sake of happiness, you'll have credit card debt that you can't pay off in the foreseeable future. Because those things made me happy. Happy by itself isn't, isn't terrible, but it shouldn't be the thing that we're pursuing. Instead of pursuing happiness, we ought to be pursuing purpose. Ephesians 2.10 For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which he prepared beforehand, that we should walk in them. What are we created for? Good works. We're created to do good things. This is the collective purpose as Christians. This is the national news. This, this is for everybody in the room. We're all supposed to be doing good things. All Christians were made to do good. Now, I think a test for spiritual maturity is similar to the test for physical maturity. They're both your own. Babies can't do anything on their own. Toddlers can do some things on their own. Teenagers need some encouragement, but they'll do most things on their own. But adults or people who are mature should be able to do things for themselves. But real people who are mature, people who are really mature, real adults don't just do things for themselves. They also have the ability to do things for others. People who are spiritually mature are similar to the people who are physically mature in that they take care of themselves and take care of others as well. Not just physically, but also spiritually. And this is what we call ministry. You want to know if you're spiritually mature or if you're actually just living off of milk and stage one food? Ask yourself, how many people am I taking care of? How many people depend on me for their spiritual life, for their spiritual survival? Purpose as a father, I think every father, the big purpose of every father to their kids is to give their kids identity. It doesn't take much time to convince anyone that there's an identity crisis in our world. And I believe it's directly affected by the lack of fathering that's happened in our, in our society. So how do fathers impact identity? 
One is through their words. In the same way God, the Father, spoke the world and everything into, it, into existence, we have fathers, we as fathers possess this innate God-given ability to speak things into the lives of our kids. It was a funny thing when, when we're out and I, like a kid's acting up, it's just like a four or five-year-old kid, and the mom or the dad look at the kid, and they're all upset, rightfully so. And you look at them, and they go, why won't you just do what you're told? Like a four-year-old's supposed to know. <laughs> well, actually, let me break this down for you, mom. <laughs> why won't you? You're such a pain. I'll give you a little hint or a little tip. If you want to change your kid's behavior, start when you speak to them, use words like sweetheart. Use words like, listen, sweetie, you're a really great kid. I don't know why you're acting up. I don't know what's going on in your life. Let's talk about it. Being able to sit down and say, hey, listen, you are a really great kid. You're so talented. You're so excellent. You're one of the sweetest kids I know. And for some reason, things aren't adding up right now. You're having a hard time listening to, mom, listening to mommy or daddy. What's going on? Being able to speak life into them. Using words. Use your words to help define their identity. Use your involvement. You know, the word father is the familiar term for leader. This is the big truth here. If we teach our boys to throw a perfect spiral and we tell our daughters that they're beautiful every single day, but we don't have influence in their lives, we have absolutely missed the mark. I know we already talked about things that we should over-communicate, but there are two things that I think we need to do if we want to connect. One is we have to do something with them. It has to be a collective effort, something with them. Especially you get bonus points if you're doing something with them that they know you don't like. You're going to do something with them. But this is the, this is the, the side note. Do something with them that, that they know you don't like, but don't complain about it. You complain about it, you lose the points altogether. Do something with them. Second thing is do something for them. Sometimes this means that you're going to have to learn something that's new. You're going to have to stretch. You're going to have to grow. Do something that's new. That's for them. That's the thing. I could try to list some things that you could do with and for, but that's, that's all. We're talking national news, local news. What you're going to do is going to have to be your male. Figure out what your kid is into. I don't know what they're into. That might be the problem. Start with a conversation. Hey, this is a great question. Hey, what do you get excited about? Another good question. Hey, what are you hoping for? The third thing, third point. The first two points were kind of all about dads. This third point is more for dads. What we ought to be doing for them. 
I'll tell you guys a secret, especially for, about good dads. Good dads need to be encouraged. On a daily basis, good dads, the ones that you think are just solid as a rock, on a daily basis, they feel like they're not enough, like they don't make enough, like they're, they're not smart enough, that they don't have enough time. Men struggle with anxiety and depression in ways that most other people would never, ever imagine. But men, you're not alone. I could have made a much longer list than this, but I went with five. David, the same David as in David and Goliath, he, he, troubled with, he was troubled and filled with despair. Psalm 69.3, I'm weary with my crying out, my throat is parched. My eyes grow dim with waiting for my God. Have, have any men in the room ever felt like this before? Man, I just need God to move on my behalf. I'm just, I need God to do something in my life. I'm just waiting. My throat is parched. I'm dehydrated. I've cried as much as I can cry. I've sweated as much as I can sweat. And I just don't know how much more I can bear. Jonah you know, a lot of us think of Jonah as this, like, just disobedient guy. But Jonah, in some ways, he was, in some ways, had some righteous anger towards the Ninevites. They weren't nice people. But God was calling him to go, to go preach to them. And he was saying, you know, I don't want to. He was filled with anger. Jonah 4.9, I'm so angry that I wish I were dead. so angry. I wish I was dead. I don't want to deal with this anger anymore. Job, he suffered a bunch of loss. He suffered devastation. He had illness. We look at Job 3.26. I have no peace, no quietness. I have no rest, but only turmoil. Any, any men in the room ever feel like that? Can't ever get rest. I can't ever get peace and quiet. I just need everybody to leave me alone. Jeremiah, his nickname is the weeping prophet. He struggled with loneliness, feelings of defeat, and feelings of insecurity. Jeremiah 20, verse 8. Why did I ever come out of the womb to see trouble and sorrow and to end my days in shame? He basically said, I wish I was never born. I wish I was never born. Anybody ever have those feelings, those days? Men. And we look at Jesus, the Son of God. In Luke twenty-two forty-four, 44, it says, And being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. There's this, this is a real, a real condition. It's called hematohydrosis. There's only 42 recorded cases since 1880. But listen to this, 18 cases since 2013. It's caused by immense amount of stress. Most, most of the time it's in men who are, who are getting ready to go into battle. They're so stressed out 
that the capillaries in their head begin to burst and it looks like they're sweating blood. Jesus, he was all God, but he was also all man. Being all man had to deal with the stress and anxiety that he knew that he was about to face going to the cross. He had a real physiological experience where he sweat blood. He was so filled with anxiety that he had this experience. I want to talk, we're going to talk about encouraging. I'm going to bring my dad up. We're going to finish out just talking about encouraging men. Has anybody ever been fathered by my father before? So we're going to talk for just a moment. Hey. Talking about... I'm so proud of my boy. (laughs) As far as encouragement is concerned, how many have ever had a son that could beat you up? Anybody ever had one? So, I don't know. I've got some secret moves up my sleeves. No, I don't. Not for him. I've shown him all of them. I think we need to encourage these guys. I need to encourage all of you. Because... uh, is there anybody that's married in this room? Anybody? Anybody going to get married? Anybody going to? Uh, and is there anybody in this room that might be interested in a husband one day? Anybody? Okay, so I, I know some of you young ladies. We really need to encourage men. And um, I, was, I was just really stuck in this last point that you were just sharing. Um, because the one thing that I've been open with you about is uh, anxiety that I've had. Anybody ever heard me talk about the healing journey before? And uh, it's really been on my heart this past week. For some reason, I've been processing more of because I am at, listen to me, I'm going to tell you this. This is really crazy. I am at, Preston, I am at what I believe to be the most peaceful place in my heart in my entire life. It's where I'm living right now. Don't feel, don't be jealous. (laughs) You jealous? No, no, okay. Uh, But I'm at that, and, uh, uh, and as a father, and as a pastoral father, uh, and you've heard me say this, healing is a journey. So, I was thinking about what you were just talking about, and all of these guys here, and honestly, I believe that, how many have ever heard of PTSD before? Anybody ever heard of PTSD? I don't believe you have to go to war to suffer PTSD. Amen. All right? I'm not busting on my soldiers. I'm just saying, I don't believe everybody had to go to battle because there's a lot of battles that you fight right here. Yeah. And uh, some of the things, how many, anybody in this room, men, women, whatever, have you ever suffered from uh, just a terrible self-image? Anybody ever? Or just heavy anxiety? Uh, uh, one of the things that I remember is hypervigilance. Anybody know what I'm talking about when I say hypervigilance? Where are my counselors at? You know what I'm talking about? When it's like you've always got something that you have to do, you know, and you're always thinking about it. And I think for men, sometimes the responsibility is, and I'm not saying it's not true for women. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying for myself, after you've been attacked pretty heavy on occasion, 
And I think the enemy is just really trying to destroy men right now. So I know I'm preaching, but it's your sermon. Just, yeah. Yeah, I was just, I wanted to talk about how we can encourage men. I want, this I, is from, I want to say that that's real, though. I want to yeah. say that if you're suffering, one of the ways to encourage you is to say, except that's what's going on in my life. Yeah. Because unless people, unless we can get honest, we can't contend with the junk that's going on in our life. I agree. I think, I think men have to get honest with it. And I think, I think women, especially women, have to um, uh, acknowledge it as well. Right. Um, I think one of the things that, and it's funny, I, I, leading up to today's service, I've uh, posted a bunch of questions, different questions in my Savage Dads group. That has helped me basically build this whole message. But um, one of the things that I've, I've noticed is I, that I think women can, can help men is if women, if especially our, the mothers, will let dads be dads. Yeah. Because dads do things different than moms. And the, we might put the diaper on different, or we might tuck them, tuck them in different, or, you know, instead of making something from scratch, we might just like throw in a pizza. And sometimes... Pizza, frozen pizza, hallelujah, yeah. yes. But, and sometimes that's got to be okay. I think sometimes we run into problems when moms don't want dads to be dads. They want dads to be male moms. And don't you think that that's a struggle that we're dealing with in our culture right now? I mean, have you ever read that Genesis 127? Anybody read that? In the beginning, God created man in his own image, and then it says male and female, he created them. So if you don't realize it, there is a difference. Now, all women are not exactly the same, all men. I mean, God doesn't cut people out like we cut out biscuit dough, all right? So you have to understand that we're all uniquely and wonderfully made. But at the same time that that's true, uh, guys, it's okay to be men. Can I get a bark right now? Come on. Oh, okay. It's okay for guys to be men. And then there's this other scripture. Has anybody ever read Ephesians 5 and 6? I mean, we love 6. We love the armor of the Lord. But there's this one scripture that says, Husbands, love your wives. So let me give you this encouragement, guys. If you want to get through this, love your wives like Christ gave the church. It's not always going to be easy, and sometimes you'll have to suffer. Got any brothers in the room that are hearing what I'm saying? You're going to have to suffer sometimes. Say, why? Because you're a man. And you take the hit on occasion. You take a stand. You put your shoulder down. You go to war. Make sure your family's okay. And you love your wife as Christ loved the church. The wife represents the church. What? Man, you're supposed to be Jesus in your house. And carry the cross. Go ahead. Go to battle. And the Lord will come alongside of you. And he'll help you through that. So I encourage you. I, I, think that's, I think those are encouraging words, you know? Uh, I think. Yeah. I threw up some too, extras. Am I preaching too much? No, you're okay. good. Thanks. <laughs> I think some other practical ones that we threw up. Tell, don't let today go by without just simply telling dads that they're doing a good job. And if you're a dad, you can do this too. Have you ever seen... I, I do this with... Any parent, if you're ever in a grocery store and you see a parent that's got like two or three kids and you can tell they're just struggling 
Maybe you've been that parent before. And you're just struggling, and you just know everybody's looking at you because your kid is acting a fool. That's never happened. And you see them, and they're just struggling. A simple, simple encouragement is just to walk up and say, hey, hey, Dad, you're killing it. Hey, Mom, you're killing it. And they're like, ah! <laughs> but don't wait till you get to the grocery store in a random time. Tell your husband, hey, you know what? I just want to let you know you're a good dad. You're doing a good job. I'm, you're working hard. You're doing 40 plus hours a week. And then you come home and you're loving on our kids. You are killing it. You're doing a great job. Can I toss yeah. in here? Preston, you're a great dad. Wow. It's such a blessing, such a gift. And I know you waited a long time to get to that particular place in your life. But, you know, watch you, and I know it's not the easiest thing in the world. And Avalyn is a different creature than you were when you were four or three uh, or Felicia. But, wow. And I watch you. You know, I spoke to some of you today uh, praying uh, after first service and I'm really impressed. But while I'm saying that, I also want to say and remind you, uh, don't, I'm going to encourage you, when you don't have all the answers, lift your hand and say, I don't have the answer. And look around the room. There are some men of God in this place. You're not supposed to be in this by yourself. So don't feel, just don't beat yourself up. Go find somebody. You know, I mean, the number of people that came to me today and said, hey, Pastor Rick, we need to get together and talk sometime. Yes. Talk to Preston. Talk to myself. Talk to these other people been down the road who fought the good fight. Or maybe somebody that's right where you are in the same kind of trench that you are. Moms, same guidance. Young folk, wherever you are in life, be encouraged also. And don't forget, anybody wearing one of these white bands on your wrists? Joshua 1 and 9. I want you to be encouraged, be strong, be courageous because the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. He will not leave you in fatherhood, in that family by yourself. If you call on him, he'll give you guidance. He'll give you leadership. Let's stand. We're going to go ahead and close. That's two? Okay. Yeah, that's two. I'm going to go ahead and get our uh, Spirit Life team to come get ready. We're going to pray together. We had a long service today, man. Yeah. That's because that all that stuff I did earlier. Emery wouldn't stop singing either. He just kept going on. Yeah. You guys want to join me? Would you guys get your communion in your hand? Would you join me in the supper of the Lord? Somebody say, just say the word communion. Say it. So what we're doing right now is we are coming in close relationship with Father, with the Son. Jesus said on the night that he was betrayed... He said, I want you to drink this bread. I want you to eat this. I want you to eat this bread. I want you to drink this cup. And he said, I want you to do it and I want you to remember. But also, I want you to remember how he said, I'm good. I'm good. Oh, I, oh no. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. He said, when he gave it to him, listen, listen carefully. He said, this bread 
This is my body, which was broken for you. This is my body broken for you. My body. 1 John chapter 1. Anybody remember 1 John 1? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. John chapter 1, excuse me. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Anybody ever been in a situation where you didn't know what to do and God sent you His Word? Because we usually correlate this bread with healing of our bodies. The Bible also says He sent His Word and healed our diseases. So you received the Word of God from Preston today. That Word is supposed to heal you. Don't just walk away. Don't just trash that and leave. But I want you to know as you receive that Word... It's going to bring healing to your home, healing to your heart, healing to your family. The notes that you took, you need to go home and consider them over and over again. Jesus said, this bread is my body. I want, you, I want to have communion with you. I want to speak to you and be a part of your life. So take it and eat it in remembrance of me. And then he took the cup. This cup, he said, is my blood. Somebody give thanks to the Lord for this now. This cup is my blood that is poured out for you. The blood of the new covenant. Through the shed blood of Jesus, all of my sins are forgiven. And also because of his forgiveness, now I forgive everyone. So I don't want you to drink this without this. I, I release those who I've been bitter towards, those who I've walked into unforgiveness towards. Father, I release them now. I forgive them. Say it. I forgive them. And I receive your forgiveness. In Jesus' name, amen. Receive the cup. Stay right where you are. We're going to pray. Stay right where you are. At the conclusion of the service, you can, you'll be able to leave. You can give on your way out the door. We'll open the side door as well. This is the Spirit Life team. They're not the altar team. They're the Spirit Life team. That means they have been prayed, but they've been praying up in order for this very, very moment. Watch. Who among you needs somebody? You need to pray. Is there anybody in this room that needs to pray? You just need to pray. Perhaps you're going through it in your home, in your family right now. Men, Preston is still here. I'm still here. There's some brothers up here. Be glad to pray for some men who are struggling in their homes. Listen, if you're struggling in your family, if there's sickness that you're dealing with, and did I mention PTSD? Some of you are going through issues right now of great stress and great anxiety. When you come forward, we're not just going to throw our hands on you and push you in the ground. We're going to listen to you. How many have ever had to confess your sin? Can I get an amen from somebody? These people are great folks to talk to about sin. They're not going to tell on you. They're going to pray with you so that you can get through it. Maybe you're looking towards it, uh, towards something in the future. You're struggling with your future or your purpose or one of these things that we mentioned about today was a struggle. Are you ready for prayer? Anybody ready for prayer? Close your eyes. Father, in the name of Jesus, we're ready to come to you. There are those, Father, that I know that are in this room that need to give their lives up to you. There are those, Father, today that have walked in this door but yet have not surrendered their life to you. And so today, in the name of Jesus, Father, I know that your Holy Spirit is drawing them. 
Today would be the day that they confess you as Lord, that they believe in their heart that you have been raised from the dead and they surrender all of their sin, all of their past and give you their future and are adopted into the family of God. Today is their day. Perhaps they've already begun to pray that prayer, but it would be good for them to come forward for this time of prayer. For those who are sick, for those who are in struggle, for those that are in anxiety, for those that need healing, for those that need help in their family. Whatever it might be, Lord Jesus, specifically for men. And I want to say this spiritually. I think it would be good if most men would hit the altar today and have somebody pray for them. Most men, I'm calling you specifically. Are you ready? Are you ready? Wave at me if you're going to need some prayer. Wave at me. I need to know if I'm hitting a home run here or not. One person? Okay. So, Oh, yeah, a bunch of people. Okay. I want you to get ready to come for prayer. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you and give you peace. Father, thank you for this word from Pastor Preston. Thank you for these men and women, for this good family, Freedom Fellowship. And as we end this in our time of prayer, come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit and do this work in Jesus' name. There's two moves we're going to make. For those of you who need prayer, I want you to start moving and come. You can come as a family for prayer if you like. Start moving towards the front. And others, God bless you. You can pray as long as you want. We'll play and sing a little bit. you be dismissed with you choose and you go in the peace of the Lord Jesus. God bless you. We love you. Come swiftly for prayer if you would.